apologize for those long announcements. I'll try to keep this as short as I possibly can. So, good sermon. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I was a kid, I got one of these. This exact Mickey Mouse gumball machine. The ads on TV were great. The kid would put it in, up with the gumball. Thanks for the gumball, Mickey. And I got one for Christmas, and it was the best Christmas that year. It was a great thing. Interestingly, for most of us, and I think for all of us some of the time, we can stumble into this false idea that this is what God is. A great big gumball machine in the sky. A vending machine in the sky filled with all the things we ask Him to do for us to make our lives easier, more personally satisfying, less stressful, less, less, less painful, more happy. The coins we put in are all the things we do to try to make God happy. So it's pleased with how we're happy, our good Christian living. Those are the coins. The lever that we have to turn is our prayers. So we think, just put the right coins in, we say the right prayers, and God's going Bailey's much more direct than I am. He says it this way. We desire a God that will ease our psychic or physical pain and make us feel Deliver us from our fear of dying and everything else. Lift our depression. Lower crime in society so we can be safe. Curb corruption so we don't have to pay as many taxes. Help me, help me, help me, etc. But while it does seem at times that God works this way, and you can even find some scripture passages to support this, I'm not any longer convinced this is how God works. I think this is nothing more than what I often call transactionalism. You hear me talk about that. Transactionalism. Do something for God and he'll do something for us. Make God just happy enough and he'll love. This isn't love. This isn't relationship. This is simply a transaction. Yet the greater story of the Bible screams relationship. It screams relationship. From the law of Moses, to the teachings of Christ, to the writings of John. Love God, love others is the story of Scripture. Jesus' life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, all scream relationship. Suppose the challenge comes in understanding what it means that God loves us and what He is really offering us in redemption, in salvation. And I think that is what Jesus is trying to help this woman at the well understand. This is our fourth week studying this story. We have a number of weeks left. And today I want to focus on this. Jesus is trying to help her understand what God is really offering us. So, she, we looked at this last week. She missed the metaphor of living water, right? He said, if you knew the water that I would give you, you would have asked me. Well, she missed that he was using a metaphor of living water, and she went right with, what blessings can God give me theology instead? Right? Right to, sir, give me this water so that I won't keep getting thirsty and have to keep coming to this water. She understood it as a literal water. That would have satisfied this personal thirst she had, and she never had to as well. Now, we discussed last week that this is a very important part of the journey. And it is. 
Jesus himself brought her to this part of the journey. So I don't want to be misunderstood this morning. Despite our tendency to transact, and that's such a human tendency, and it's, it's, un, it's just what we do because we're sort of taught that from the time we're young, to transact. But despite our tendency to transact, there is something pure and noble and beautiful about crying out to God, give me this walk. We live in a painful world, a very painful world. To cry out for God to help us is a good thing then. It's not what our kids do with us. They're hurt and they cry out for us. We know hugging them is not going to stop the pain in their leg that just got ripped up when they fell on the ground, but we hug them anyway. There's something comfortable, comforting about holding them. So looking for that divine embrace in the midst of suffering, I think, is a beautiful thing. And I don't need to downplay that. And finally, realizing the wells we tend to go to will never truly satisfy us, and turning to Christ instead is a beautiful thing. My gumball machine metaphor is not intended to belittle or stop our desire for God's help and comfort and blessing. Jesus certainly did not belittle this either. However, I think we need to be careful in understanding this is not the place Jesus is ultimately trying to bring her. Or us. This moment on the journey, this moment on the journey, is simply a necessary and beautiful moment. If you will, this place, sir, give me this water, is the magic of religion at its very best. When religion is at its very best, it is the threshold where we give ourselves over to the possibility that there is a God and that God loves us and wants to help us. That's a beautiful moment. And I want to make a side note here. This is why I don't think we should be afraid of or judgmental of religion. Someone into religion can be a lot closer to discovering that God is a God of grace, of forgiveness, of love, closer to discovering Christ is God than a person who rejects even the notion of God as nothing more than a kid's fairy tale. Yes, religion at its worst has many problems, but at its best, it is a wonderful part of the journey. So, of course, she was thinking only of herself and how this water was going to help her personally. But instead of criticizing her limited understanding and judging her self-centered interest, he kept on loving her. He recognized that this was an important moment for her. Remember we saw a couple weeks ago, she just constantly was dancing with him, trying to get away from him. Now she wants something from him. This was an important moment. And so he used it to help her continue the journey. He didn't leave her here. The story doesn't end in the next verse with Jesus saying, you know, great, you finally got it. Right answer, you're in, and now I'm off to the next person, off to do the next offer. That is not how the story ends. Salvation, redemption, is not the answer to a test question. One of the most powerful moments for me in my own journey was when I finally grasped that essential truth. So let me try to explain. Because this is, this is a paradigm shift. 
what this story is. This is why we're spending so much time in the story. Every verse has something to wrap our heads around. So, listen closely to what Jesus is trying to say to them. He said, Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay, so there's what Jesus is trying to do. So what's a spring? A spring of water is a source from which to drink. Okay? Now, step further. We are all remember on what journey? Being made into the image of God, into the image of Christ. St. Paul said it this way. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image. This is the journey we're on, to be made into little Christ, if you will. Into little springs of living water for others. So then, the personal satisfaction we turn to God for. The magical drink that will quench our deepest thirst forever. The new name. The all things being made new in us that scripture talks about is exactly what loving others does for us. Our redemption is in drinking from this well that turns into this well in it. Jesus said, I am the way. His way. His way. Loving others, even at the cost of his own life, is the way. The good news is, he's the well we drink from, and he's the well in us, we become. That's grace. He does it. It's beautiful. Let me continue. Notice Jesus' response to the woman's request. So she says, she says, sir, I want this water. And what's his response? Not right answer. You're in. Nope. His response is, go call your husband and come here. seemingly strange response. But it's as if he is saying, you have received love from me, now go and bring someone else to receive it too. I'm the living water. Bring someone else to receive And we've been looking at the incredible love that Christ has given us. Something she had never had before. So then, in her request to have this water, he says, go and bring someone else. It's always about the other. Love God, love others. This is so difficult because it goes in the face of everything we're taught from the time we're born. Often everything we're taught in church that it's all about others. But let me continue. We can't bring anyone directly to Christ anymore. That was a three-year window in the history of humanity. It's gone. But that is what being made into His image is all about. Loving others like Christ would love them. Following His way in the world. Being Christ in the world. 
Now, as I said, please remember, our wanting God to bless us in the myriad ways we desire is not a bad thing. He brought the woman to this place. Lord, give me this shirt, give me this water. He desires to bring all of us to this point. God wants us to be blessed. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But here's the simple mystery of God. In loving others His way, that is our blessing. That is our answer to prayer. That's our happy little gumball. Think of the metaphors and images and explanations Jesus used when speaking of redemption. Let's try to forget when we've been at an altar call or what we were taught about salvation for a second. And let's just, what did Jesus say? Well, he always talked about, in this parable, drink this living water, be born again, whoever believes, whoever forgives, goes through the eye of the needle, follow me for I am the way, etc., etc., etc. These are all actions not answers to test questions. These are verbs. They're not nouns. The abundant life he offers is movement toward God and others. So the magnificence of it all is that loving others is is the spring of water welling up to eternal life. Isn't it? I know this seems a bit crazy. Understand it this way. Because we always think in black and white, broken fix. We expect God wants to completely fix us so then we can go and fix others. But it's not about that, really. We're all waiting to be fixed before we just step into loving others. No one's ever going to be huffed. At least, I, I've been waiting to be fixed completely for 50 years. It hasn't happened. Faith is about a messy journey into loving God and others in response to His love for us. It's not about being fixed and then fixed. It's more about Trusting we are loved and then loving. Loving and discovering we are loved. In the act of loving others, I am convinced Scripture teaches and convinced through experience and convinced through witnessing the testimony of others through the centuries. In the act of loving others, we will realize our salvation, our redemption, our help, our fixing, our fullness, our spring of water, love. And be careful. I use the term realize. Did he use the term get? Did he use the term earn, be rewarded with, buy, transact, none of that. God saves us. God transforms us. 
the act of following we realize. Let me try one last little thing to help make sense of what I've tried to say. Jesus was hours away from being betrayed and arrested and killed. Yet one last night with those he loved. And he said to them, Love one another. Now take a minute and imagine you're dying. You've got one night with your family and your loved ones. One night. You can say one thing to them to offer them some hope, some comfort, some blessing in the face of profound abandonment and sorrow and pain that they're going to go through the moment you die. One thing to make sense of their suffering and confusion. Is this what you're going to say to them? I don't think so. At least I, I thought of this and I thought, well, there's a thousand other things I would say to comfort my loved ones. But maybe we should start saying that. Maybe this is the answer to all our prayers. Especially those prayers that echo of this give me this water so I won't thirst. Maybe this is the answer to all You know, do you ever try to make people feel better when their prayers seem not to be answered by saying things like, well, God always answers our prayer, which is not our time. Or God always answers, but sometimes they just know. And I'm sorry if you've said that recently. I'm not making fun of you. I've said it too. But what I'm getting at is I'm starting to think God always answers our prayers and the answers are immediately points to others. Yes, here's what you really want, David, even if you want to not realize it, yet others, others. God puts people all around us who need unconditional, sacrificial, relentless love. I know it would be nice if you put people around us that were really easy to love. But it doesn't seem to be that way, does it? But maybe that's the beauty of God's love for us. He is always giving us the answer to our prayers. People. Others. Others. Right now, think of the others in your life. Especially the ones that are most difficult to love. They're this woman as well. Better yet, maybe, maybe the answer, they are the answer to the prayer we were praying for so long. Someone we can choose to love as Christ loves us, and in that moment that we start loving them, we will discover it in us. Springs of water welling up to eternity.
Thanks for